The Football Pod on OTB Sports. You still listen to the Football Pod or is that like texting your ex? Absolutely. As I often said, I'm jealous that uh, I don't know who's so good, the little whore. <laughs> the Football Pod is available every Tuesday exclusively on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. But we are, for the time being, going to turn back to last weekend's All-Ireland Hurling quarterfinals in Thurles. And we saw probably one of the best halves of hurling of the season in the second half between Clare and Wexford. Uh, Matt O'Hanlon has once again been one of the stars of the season for the Wexford Hurlers. And I'm delighted to say he's with us now. Uh, Matt, you're very welcome back to the show. Really appreciate you taking the time to to join us. Uh, How are you keeping, first of all? Thanks, Owen. Um, thanks for welcoming me on. Uh, yeah, keeping our keeping well considering. Um, I'm hearing you describe the the best second half of the championship. Um, it's always not nice being on the the losing end of it. But uh, yeah, uh, disappointed to to lose out last weekend. But overall, um, you know, an enjoyable season from a Wexford perspective. Uh, from a personal standpoint, um, just disappointed not to be looking forward to an All Ireland semi final. Yeah, I, I presume that drama bit, that the sort of excitement bit from a neutral perspective is something that creates more ecstasy for the winner and for the loser just makes it all the harder to take just being on the end of something that generally was this very very unpredictable thing that this roller coaster that went right to the death yeah for sure and um, that's the nature of hurling as we've seen in numerous games that you know a league can never be big enough um, and when a team gets a run in you and grabs momentum at the the right time it's very difficult to, to stem that flow and Claire uh, grabbed that momentum at the right time for them and um, yeah we, we weren't able to to stop it and uh, weren't able to close the game out which is disappointing from our perspective but um, I mean we have to learn from it really um, because we'll be in those situations again and and learn how to close the game out but credit to Claire they, they stuck in the fight and um, you know they got the rub of the green um, towards the end of the game as well which allowed them to see it out so um, yeah there'll be a match for anyone now in the remainder of the championship. Can I just get a, a picture of what the, the last few days are like for you? Like, I mean, I, I presume there is this, I'm not sure, is it a temptation to kind of wallow in the defeat quite a lot? Um, like we're four days out now at, at this point. How do you deal with it to ensure that, you know, that cliche about not letting the low moments allow you to get too low? How do you ensure that actually happens in, in the aftermath of, of a defeat like that? Yeah, well, well, I'd always say when you're involved in the panel, especially our panel, you, you know, you win together and you lose together. And ultimately, after the game, we're all feeling the, the very same way. Um, very disappointed that we didn't win. But at the same time, um, you know, proud of ourselves uh, that we put on a performance and put ourselves in a winning position. So, yeah, the, the ultimate aftermath of the game, you know, it, it's surrounded by the, the players and the backroom and the management that have um, you know, worked so hard this year. Uh, enjoying each other's company, uh, reminiscing on the year, the highs and the lows, and ultimately looking forward to, to 2023 and trying to put some of those wrongs to right and, and developing on the good work that we've done this year. And uh, yeah, I suppose now looking forward, it's it's you know back to routine, back to work. Life goes on. Club Championship in Wexford starts next week, so we don't have too long to rest on our laurels before we put back on our club hats and uh, go uh, have a crack off each other next week. It was it was nearly the perfect hour as well, Matthew, wasn't it? Like just like probably five or six points up. Um, I think you you did a nice possession in defence, which lost the ball, and Claire got a point out of it, and kind of the rally start from there. But like with ten minutes ago, you must have been really believing he could do this. 
Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Um, you know, we're in a winning position. Um, you know, it was kind of point for point for a long spell. It's clear we're getting a little bit closer to us, but we were still keeping them at arm's length. Um, but I think you know we we had a couple of key injuries. Shane Rick went off. Damien Rick went off as well. Um, you know, guys that have been playing extremely well and keeping some of their key players relatively quiet. So that that had a, a bearing on it. And um, yeah, look, we we had a couple of wides, a couple of missed frees. Um, you know, you know potentially. Um, you know the the penalty obviously was a big thing too. And then was that, were you sour about that? Because like that 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 did look. I mean, that looked very very harsh. And like that that's exactly why that sin, that cynicism shouldn't be rewarded. I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. To be honest, I was at the other end of the pitch, mm. so I couldn't really see the detail of exactly what happened. But I've since seen replays and stuff. And you know, um, I don't feel too aggrieved because um, you know, if, if I was on the other end and 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 Tony Kelly or Shane O'Donnell were bearing down on goals, I'd be, I'd be looking <laughs> to do the same thing, you know. But at the same time, I think referees and and, and column lines, um, you know, they, they probably need a little bit more help there. Uh, really, you know, there's officials there, there's there's linesmen, and there's there's umpires and the benefit of TV as well. I think they need more support in an instance like that for such a big call because, you know, at that point in time, should we have um, received the penalty and scored it, you'd be expecting us to close it out and that may have been the end of the game. And, you know, you just want the, you want fair decisions on both sides, but I don't think, um, I think there's an awful lot of pressure on one man to make that decision in real time. So, well, actually, it's hard for me to say it should or shouldn't be, you know? Yeah, it was, what, what would you do? Because, like, I, I think... Um I think criticism of, of referees in Hurling in particular is absolutely mad because it's like you're you're talking about a ball moving at that speed and the, the amount of work they have to do. Like, are you talking about a type of a like a VAR situation for something like that, or just more individuals making the calls? Um, I think before we get to to, to VAR, it's really um, giving more power to officials that have seen it. Um, you know, umpires are looking at it, linesmen look on as well. Um, I think that's the first step um, because I'm, I'm always hesitant. You know, where where does it stop at VAR then, and what instances mm. could be used? You know what I mean? And then you, how, it's like how long is a piece of, piece of thread? Because there's several instances that if you analysed in slow motion with TV that look horrendous, where you know in real time they're 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 nothing incidents. Nothing happens so in slow motion, that. like. Yeah. Mm. Um, but like you don't want that to, to slow the game down you don't want that to take away from it but ultimately it comes back to the big decisions in the match being get like being gotten right and no one feeling aggrieved so whatever the best way is to do that but I do definitely agree referees need more support and um, what that looks like I'm not I'm less clear the specifics of that rule means that you can give the penalty in the black card if you're 25 metres away from the sideline and at this point it's made multiple times over the last little while that there is no line that indicates that you're 25 metres away. So mm. the referees are automatically guessing when it comes to that. As you say, then you've got like a, a situation where one of his umpires in that situation, nine times out of ten will have a better view than the referee of what's going on. More powers to the other officials, an actual line where this thing should be defined. Like there are two pretty easy steps you'd have thought that that could be implemented before next season. Yeah, potentially, potentially. And, you know, ultimately, if, I, if I'm column lines, I don't want to be the one that grants that and then, you know, looks back on uh, replays afterwards and I got it wrong. And obviously, everyone saw the incident with, with James Ohm awarded the penalty um, previously. Mm. And, 
you know, the the furore that came up after that. So obviously referees have that in the back of their mind. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I haven't seen a black car being given in this year's championship yet, mm. you know. So there, there's obviously a reason and a, hesit- a reason for the hesitancy to, to award it. So that means to me or indicates to me that referees don't feel confident giving making those decisions, which means that they need more support. So whatever that looks like, whether that's, you know, indicating where the 25 metre begins or where it doesn't, or giving more ownership to uh, the additional um, officials there, the linesmen, the umpires, the fourth official potentially, or bringing in um, you know TV replays where where possible. That that's the road I'd be looking down. But um, I guess that that's for the powers that be to decide. Um, but I think there's enough evidence there to suggest that there's more support needed. I think, like in fairness, with like the Ta and Neil, which has become like a, a almost like an accepted part overnight of 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 Gaelic games, that like you know, and, and it's it's definitely for the better. Like I think if you did have a situation where you could challenge one or two calls in a game, and as you say, like match, you don't want everything to be. You don't want, like, where do you stop? But if you could limit it to an extent that Wexford can challenge that, that's an open and shut case straight away. And that changes. And it, it adds to the drama as well for everyone watching. It's like, well, you know, what's going to happen here? This game could swing again. But, like, uh, you know, ultimately, you'd, you'd have to say this was an open and shut case if you did one one replay of it. Like, And Wexford are very hard done by. And, you know, it could be the difference in winning All-Ireland or not. Yeah, yeah, and and you know you see it in other sports. I think NFL and the NBA have the opportunity for managers to challenge calls. So mm. yeah, that's that's another other way of looking at it. But yeah, like as I come back to it, ultimately, you want the the decision uh, got the decisions get gotten right at the key moments of the championship. And you know, as you get further into the championship, the level of tension gets up and the pressure increases, and you know that piles onto referees too. So we need to be able to enable them to make these calls correctly because then. You know, myself as a player and teams aren't feeling hard done by. And, uh, you know, we're potentially walking into an All-Ireland semi-final. But look, to be honest, it, it, the, you can get bogged down the penalty. Like before that, we were in a winning position. It shouldn't have come down to that. But looking back now, yes, it's an opportunity to, to gain back momentum. And uh, it's one that we'd be disappointed with. But, you know, it, it is what it is. We're, we're not going to you're not going to sit here going, we should be looking at an All-Ireland semi-final because we had opportunities before that too. Yeah, can I just ask then, uh, Matthew, the, the first hour of the game, as you say, a couple of the defenders go off at, at really key moments. So if, if you take the, the first 57 minutes of the game in particular, th- does that suggest to you that the game plan that you had for Clare worked? Yeah, well, we, you know, we, we had obviously prepared very well for Clare and we're very familiar with them over the last few years and you know we know who their major players are that we need to to try um keep quieter if possible and then you know you probably would have seen this year with Wexford how we've we've developed our game to be more varied in terms of how we where we work the ball out but also have a more direct approach and we've got you know really really good ball winners in Connor McDonald and Lee Chain and Roy O'Connor up front that we want to get as much ball as possible to, to cause damage. And in the first half, especially, I think we did that. Obviously, the early goals settled us. Um, and then, you know, Claire had a, had a quiet start with a few missed frees and missed opportunities. But the game kind of settled into an ebb and flow then. And um, early second half, obviously, the two goals and, and getting seven or eight points up, you know, we were probably in a position where we want to be with 10 minutes to go rather than 20, 25 minutes to go. Um, mm. But Claire were always going to have their purple patch. You know, good teams, you can't keep them out of the game for 70 minutes. And um, you saw that in terms of how Shane O'Donnell and Tony Kelly came into it in the last 10 minutes. Um, their big players managed to, to, to get get on possession and get key scores. And, you know, when we, we wanted to push, we you know, the bodies um, 
obviously we had fresh legs in, but it takes a while for subs to sometimes make an impact. And, you know, ultimately, you know, mistakes happen. And, and the goal was really the, the, nail, the nail in the coffin for us. Um, and even at that, with the six minutes additional time, we were trying to claw back and claw back, but, but Claire saw it out. So, yeah, I think tactically, I thought we were, were where we needed to be. Um, I just think we... You know, the last 10, 15 minutes, you look back with regrets on how we could have slowed the game down and potentially killed it a bit quicker and uh, slowed players' momentum when they got on top. Uh, that'd be the bit that I'd be looking to improve on how, next year. How would you compare the two provinces? Like, it's kind of a bit like um, when the Irish Horse scores Cheltenham. Like, how do you compare the two countries? Because Leinster, like, I mean, the Leinster final before the Munster final looked like two different sports, really, this year. I was at the Leinster final and I thought, like... I just thought the standard was 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 fairly inferior to what followed, but then you see Wexford like really push Clare very close, and like you were obviously um, you know you were fairly closely matched with Galway, Kilkenny, and Leinster in the championship this year in results and the way he played. Do you, do you feel that Munster is that bit stronger match, or do you, would you give sort of Galway, Kilkenny a chance? Yeah, so like I think it's obviously two different styles of hurling. You look at Munster every year and, you know, it's 35 points versus 34, 33 versus 32. So it's very high score and free flow and hurling. And you know, that's the style there. Wexford is is probably more a little bit more defensive. Um, and sometimes that can look like a lower, lower quality um, from a from a neutral's perspective. But I think you see the clashes then when when the likes of us play Clare and, and Galway play Cork and in that how, how we match up. Um, so I think if you're looking forward to, to the semi-finals, um, you know Claire Limerick obviously look like the two standout teams um, from the Munster final uh, and within the Munster Championship. But I would definitely be giving Kilkenny and Galway a, a big shout as well because you know they can raise their game and we've seen that previously in All Ireland semi-finals and um, you know in a one-off game with with an All Ireland final on the line, um, you'd be hoping that each team is going to absolutely empty it. Um, Kilkenny, obviously everyone would have written them off going into a Leinster final and they still managed to find enough to, to get over Galway. I think that they'll probably go in as underdogs versus Clare, um, given that, you know, Clare will expect not to be um will expect to be at a higher standard than they were in the first half against us. Um, because obviously we've given them a rattle and that would be a scare for them. But I think Kilkenny will be right there. Uh Limerick look they look like the team to beat. Clare threw everything in the kitchen sink at them and they, they still managed to persevere and get over the line. Um, I think all will be under pressure. But in saying that, you know, Henry Shefflin will have those guys well up for it. And they've got big game players there in the likes of Connor Whelan and Park Mannion and Carl Mannion that if they get a run and, and you know, can, can take Limerick by su- surprise, I can see them right in that too. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I anticipate two um, tight semi-finals. Um, I'm not going to say Limerick and Clare are going to be an all-in final because you can be sure that Galway and Kilkenny will have that up in their dressing room when, we, when we're playing mm. them next I year. I think you so. can read into that as you will anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I do give them a big shout. I won't be one bit surprised if I see Leinster teams getting over um, Limerick Clare in an all-in final too. The, the style of play thing is, is really interesting that you mentioned there and it fell from the outside looking in that Dara Egan came in this year, didn't try to overhaul your style, didn't try and, uh, I guess, try and take you in a whole new direction, but it felt he, he moved you in a slightly new direction, as if it was like he took Davy's ideas and just sort of built on them this year. Is, is that what the reality was? Does this feel like this year was kind of like a staging post towards a new direction, or, or did this year kind of feel like close to the finished product on a tactical level? 
No, I definitely think that we've made strides and, and yeah, credit to Dara to be fair. He, he's come in and he's he's built on all the good work that Davy's done for us, you know. We Davy's been there for five years and we we've developed a lot under him. Um but for us it's really about trying to add layers to our game and um I think Dara's you know, you know, he's identified what we're good at. Um, you know, we're good at running the ball out, we're good off the shoulder, but he's added that more direct style as well that we can play too, which, you know, you know, prove beneficial against Clare and some other teams this year too so I do think that tactically and our style of play has developed to play more to our strengths and uh, we're able to mix and match it depending on what way we play the opposition but yeah I have to say Dara was a breath of fresh air coming in um, obviously a different style of manager to, to Davy, but there's been a really, really good buzz around the setup the entire year he's brought in a lot of new guys as well, under 20s and, and developed those guys, got them involved with us. And there's project work, you know, in terms of getting them to where they need to get to, to contribute more. But uh, it's been a very enjoyable dressing room and, and panel to be a part of this year. So um, obviously I've been in and around it for a while now, but um, albeit not getting where we wanted to get and, and with no silverware, I did enjoy the year and I definitely think it, it we're looking in a strong and healthy position to 2023 as well. Like I think there was only Cork and Galway used more players than Wexford in the league this year, so there was definitely that implementation of, of new players from the outset. There was also new faces off the pitch as well, Matthew, when it came to the likes of Billy Walsh and Gordon Darcy being brought into the camp. What were their roles this season? Yeah, um, I suppose we, we wouldn't have seen, I uh, wouldn't have had a huge amount of face-to-face time with, with Billy and Gordon, but they'd be working more directly with the, the backroom team um, as the high-performance team to, I suppose, put the process in place in order for us to, to thrive. Um, Gordon would be more so on team culture and Billy would be more on, you know, performance mindset. And uh, that's kind of the remit of them. But, you know, when you have guys like that that have, you know, competed and, and achieved at the highest level in their fields, uh, it's only beneficial to us. And you're hoping to get more um, more ga- more face-to-face time with them for the 2023 season as well. So when um, Gordon Darcy is chatting, like, does he have one-on-one conversations with any of the players or, or is this mostly just stuff with the, the backroom team, as you say there? Like, Do, do you have a, a conversation with, with Gordon at some point during the season? It's majority will be directly with the backroom okay. and he'd be seeding messages there to us. So it wouldn't be on a one-on-one basis with us. Um, he has addressed us once or twice as a group, but primarily with the backroom. How receptive is the group to, to different ideas like that from a rugby background, from a from a boxing background? Although two fellas who would uh, have been hugely interested in hurling as, as young fellas, like is it a dressing room that's that is very open to, to new ideas and new voices coming in and uh, trying to impart some sort of wisdom? Yeah, hundred um, percent. I think overall the panel is in a place where you know we, we're willing to look to different areas in order to learn different things to to improve us as a squad. Guys are fairly open minded that way and willing to learn. Um, you know, the guys are very coachable. And obviously, look, Gordon and Billy are, are steeped in Wexford history, so um, there's obviously massive respect there in terms of what they've done in their given field and. They understand hurling as well, so it's not as if they're coming in this uh, completely new to it. And, um, you know, they're they're aware of um, us as players and have engaged with us previously, and there's a personal relationship there. So guys were already open to it. So as I said, you know, if there's anyone that's willing to contribute to move us in the right direction, uh, players will be receptive. And I think Dar is um, in in the same boat in terms of what he brings as a backroom team too. Just one other thing I wanted to uh, get your perspective on from last weekend was the the whole build up to Wexford versus Clare was I guess weighted towards this conversation around the, the suspensions of, of the Clare lads I guess that the, the guys being suspended at first getting off the hook eventually 
when you're having conversations in the build-up to the Clare game, are you talking about that? And then does the overturning of it actually change the conversations that you're having in the build-up? From my perspective, I kind of tune out, to be honest. Um, right. You know, in preparation for games, I, I control what media I consume because you don't want other narratives getting in your head as you're preparing for a game. Ultimately, we're preparing for Clare's best at 15 with plans okay. in place, whether whether Peter Duggan or, or Rory Hickey were going to play or not. Um, and, you know, that we were well prepared either way. And ultimately, it's not for us to decide. It's not our decision. So we'll deal with whatever's there. But, you know, as uh, we want to play the best player team there and want to overcome them, we, we would never want to see other other players suspended. So, um, yeah, it wouldn't have been a big bone of contention for us in the in the lead up to it. We would have been just focusing on ourselves and preparing for the best clear, clear team to be there because whoever's going to replace those guys are going to be equally as challenging. So um, it wouldn't have, wouldn't have um, been that high up in our conversations. Do you feel you're far off, match? I think you're 31 this year, is it like? So you're kind of obviously um, at the point in your career where I guess you, uh, you're you hoping for success in the in the near future. Do you, do you feel you are far off in terms of um, going very close next year or the year after? I don't think we're too far off. Um, you know, I think you look at the, the season overall, um, ultimately no silverware, which is disappointing. Uh, the league gets to the last four, Um Progressive used a lot of players as you mentioned and, and got to the knockout stage the last four there disappointed not to be in a Leinster final um, which is ultimately down to us it's our own fault um, given the the Westmead result mm. and, and Dublin beating us but obviously getting over to Kenny shows that, and drawing with Galway shows are right there so we're disappointed not to be able to compete for that and um, you know realistically we should have been closing the game out from the position we were in last weekend so that's disappointing but with the power of the group and, you know, the development that's going on in the background, we have new players coming through there as well. Oshin Foley and Connor Devitt making championship debuts this year, Connor Hearn as well, and some other guys coming in like Connor Flood and Charlie McGuckin. You know, there's new players in this panel that have only got first taste of action this year that are going to bring us on. Um, but yeah, I don't think we're too far off. And look, yeah, you mentioned I'm 30-31, but... Uh, you know, as I said, it's one of the more enjoyable years I've had. And um, I think there's a lot of guys around my age within our squad that, that feel similar. So I think we're we're well positioned to give it another rattle next year. And, you know, teams teams uh, ebb and flow, they, they get better and they some guys will go away. So we'll have to see what way it lands uh, in 2023. But I don't think we're too far off, being honest. What, what were those few days like after the Westmead result, actually, Matthew? Because I know you I've very sensibly try and tune out all sorts of social media and media during the season, but um, I would imagine it wasn't. Uh, it, it was pretty poisonous, to be fair, in, in terms of what, what you were seeing on social media with regards to the, the Westmead draw. Was that manifest at all in, in your day-to-day life and in, in the days afterwards? Uh, no, not my day-to-day life. I don't really let that that sort of thing fails me anymore um, with the benefit of experience but mm. you know you know yourself you're, you're never as good when as you think you are when you win you're never as bad as, as they say you are when you lose and, and I always remember that phrase with instances like that ultimately you know three points up we had 21 wides against Westmead but hurling as you know if you leave a team in with a shout any any high ball can happen and the goal can the goal can come off it uh, if you leave a team in the melting pot there at the very end of the game and ultimately we got caught and, and that's on us uh, disappointing but obviously we knew as a team that we, we it wasn't good enough um, 
and I thought that we put that wrong to right against Kilkenny to show 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 I suppose Ireland what we're about. Um but yeah, that, that level of consistency and ensuring that we don't slip up in those instances is obviously an area for improvement next year as well. It, it it would be um obviously like you know Wexford don't want to be drawn against Westmead but like um just reflecting on that time I think like what that what that did for Westmead hurling and that, like you look at Antrim leading Cork at half time and um how would you match it it's, it's something I I definitely feel that the the GEA needs to put a huge effort into is promoting hurling because it's like for a sport that is arguably the greatest field sport in the world like it's it's just so limited in terms of its scope across 32 counties which I think is really something that's it shouldn't be the case because like anyone who goes to a hurling game whether they've never seen a game before would be amazed by it and I know you don't want to be drawn to Westmead but I, I, I think there's a, that gives a lot of heart to counties like Westmead as well um, you saw it was a Mac Nicholas who got the goal and he's been soldiering with them for so long how would you kind of promote the spread of hurling um, across Ireland because as I say I, I just feel like when you have five or six counties every year out of 32 like there's something alright yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you completely. And, um, you know, I've played long enough when Wexford were at, at that level where we were knocking on the door for Division 1 and, and yo-yoing up and down from Division 2 to Division 1. And that doesn't benefit any teams trying to make the jump. And to be fair, Westmead have put on some, some really good performances this year um, under Joe Fortune. And they're, they're well capable of um, competing at that level, but it takes more than one year to bridge a gap to where mm. the top teams are at. So I think in previous years, you you find that in Leinster specifically, the bottom team gets relegated, a new team comes up next year, they go down and a new team comes back up. And that's not serving any purpose to develop the longer term development of Ireland in those counties. And if you're a player within that instance, you're, you're, you're asking yourself, what's the point? So, it, you know, I think we need to create more opportunities for longer term sustainable um, development for these counties to bring them to a level where they can compete. Uh, with the top teams it's going to take time and there needs to be an acknowledgement that it's not a one or two year fix but the betterment of hurling is the priority here mm. so instances where you know the likes of Kerry enter a monster championship you expand the, the provincials to incorporate an awfully Westmead and Antrim to allow these teams more games against the highest um, highest level opposition which will ultimately bring them on and is you know, that, is that the key, not what we all is that the key like I, playing playing better teams more often yeah, one hundred percent. I think that's the the only way to to develop themselves. Because how do you, how do you know where you're at if you're not testing yourself consistently? And you know, if you're a player within those team teams, knowing that you're going to be coming up against Division One opposition consistently, you understand you have to raise your standards, and you know that that leads to development and learning and. Um, you know, coaches in those instances as well. It comes back to that highest level coaches will want to be, you know, coaching at the top level with more opportunities to do that means the level of coaching can increase. And then that filters back into the, the underage development where players within those squads know that they've got a chance to play against the top players in the game. And, and that's more aspirational for them. And ultimately it's where we want all hurling to go. Like, you know, you want the future of hurling to be. Um, as you said, more widespread throughout the country rather than in the pockets it currently is. So I think that there, there's work there still to be done. Yes, yeah, it's, it's really interesting because, like, obviously, you played 
Kerry as well as Westmead this year. It wasn't uh, a complete hammering uh, for, for Kerry that afternoon in, in Tralee. So th- there is a sense that maybe the gap is closing between the, the elite few counties and the chasing pack. It's just about how you capitalise on that. And it sounds, Matty, that you wouldn't be overly against the idea of maybe expanding to provincials just a little bit, even though it might take from the week-in, week-out nature of the, the chaotic elitism that we've seen over the last couple of years, which has given us brilliant games. Like that was, but, me, like that was one of the highlights of the championship for, for so many people. It's you know true. And it wasn't it wasn't on television. It wasn't live on TV because no pe- nobody really expected it. That we are very focused on the, the heavyweight clashes, which which are great. But it sounds like that you, you would be in favour of giving this thing a chance to give more underdogs an opportunity to play the top teams in the championship. Yeah, yeah, I, I would be in favour of it. I think um, more opportunities to the the developing teams um, can only be beneficial for hurling in the longer term for sure so I don't know what that looks like or or what that means structure wise um, but I think if you ask most players you know they they would like to see the game expanded Um, and it probably bodes well for sustainability of the game in the future as well so um, yeah as I said there's more work to be done there I think just one last thing before we let you go. Um, how are you feeling about the, the split season in general, Matthew? Is it is something that you're looking forward to? Is it, is it good to, to be finished up early in the year or, or how do you think this thing will go? It's definitely not good to be finished up early in the year. <laughs> yeah. on. Um, <laughs> from the start, um, I obviously want to want to extend the intercounty team as, uh, season as long as I could. But to be honest, the, the split season, this is the first full year of it. So, um, you know, I think there's obviously the the first instance for people when they're looking at it going, God, it's very early to for intercounty to be finished. But th- this is the plan, and I think we, you know, with any change, people are 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 a bit uh, skeptical about it. But for me, the busy nature, the games come and take them fast, are absolutely brilliant. Um, you're not you're not getting flogged in midweek. Um, you know, there's obviously the block of preseason at the start of the year, but then it's game in, game out, and as players, that's what you want. And I think it kind of contributed to why I, I felt it was such an enjoyable year. And if you ask most players that they're, they're probably in the same boat in terms of they want to, to be playing more matches and you know uh, training less and that was an ask from players previously so from that perspective really really positive really really enjoyable um, and I think from a club perspective if I put my club hat on you know the, my team that I'm going back to play with now they, they knew that they're going to be playing around around uh, end of June July potentially end of July so that gives them a window opportunity where they know they need to be ready for so they can go on holidays before that. They can do whatever they want to do um, while the intercounty season is on uh, rather than having to prepare for a couple of games in April, then, you know, a couple of months off and then prepare for another few games. So I think it, it'll be more sustainable and, um, you know, enjoyable for both sets, intercounty and, and club players moving forward. So um, with any change, it takes a bit of a bedding in period, but so far, so, so far, so good from my perspective. Are you back out with the club this weekend? Not this weekend. Next Tuesday is the is the first round, so uh, gearing up for that. I've a, I think a challenge game now on Friday, so I'll uh, link in with the guys now and see what they're they're looking like. Right. It means you can go wine tasting on Sunday in Dublin like the rest of us. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny Ward's looking for a few tagalongs if you're interested. Is that an open invitation? Johnny? Abs- absolutely, Matthew. I, I think we have a couple of mutual friends. I'll get on to them there and get your number. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff, uh, um, Matthew. Great, great great stuff. Thanks, Billy, for being with us this morning. Thanks for having me, guys, and speak to you soon. OTB AM. With Gillette, get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.